I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Good day, my good podcast fam. It's Nathan Riley, the Holistic OBGYN, back with another episode of my podcast, aptly named the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. I'm talking today with Angela Bryant, who I met through Sarah Gustafson, Alex Ripchinski over in Austin, another one of my f- just Austin fam. I'm just bringing them all in here because they're such all such good people with amazing stories. And Angela Bryant, my guest today, is no exception. <clears throat> She's an incredible story. She uh, In this episode, we talk about motherhood. We talk about Standing in Your Truth, Remembering Your Innate Power is the title of the episode because Angela's been through quite a bit of trauma in her life and she was open-hearted and, and, and very generous in sharing her story. I think that these stories are relevant because the stories we bring into pregnancy, the stories we bring into these transitions in life, whether it be your mother phase, queen, empress phase, your your crone, wise woman phase, as you, you go through these archetypes, you have to discard your old skin in order to be reborn. And Angela has done that, and she's been forced to do that for a variety of reasons, which we'll get into in the show. Angela is also a representative in the Austin area for Feel Free, which is one of my favorite tonics. Um, it has a kava. It's kava, pineapple juice, and kratom. I drink at least one per day. It keeps me balanced. It helps me become a better father. It allows you to sit with a screaming child and for their screams to actually reverberate through you in order for you to sympathize and empathize in some way with their rapidly growing little bodies and to just turn your palms out, put your chest forward, drop your chin a little bit and hold space for them in their, in their, in their journey. So I have really, really loved Feel Free and I've gotten to know the local rep here, but Angela is the rep in Austin. And um, you'll see, we actually, I think we actually talk a little bit about Feel Free in the episode, but uh, if you want to try it, go to Feel Free. It's botanictonics.com. Use code uh, BELOVED40 and you'll save 40%, which is a massive discount. So uh, don't miss out on that opportunity. Hopefully they'll be offering that for a long time. But while it while you can, go and try Feel Free. I've got like 10 cases in my, in my garage because I love it so much. We have some sponsors for this episode. Fit for Birth, our longest running sponsor, James Goodlatte, of Fit for Birth has put together, he's by the way, an original Czech practitioner. Like he was watching Czech's tapes on VHS. He has been doing this for a very long time. He and his team realized that the available published data on exercise in pregnancy postpartum suggests very clearly that when you move, when you exercise, when you stretch, when you strengthen, when you flow, when you get all of that life energy flowing, that your body does better in pregnancy, your baby, your placenta, your uterus, everything works better. So a big part of my practice is, hey, let's get the soil as healthy as possible. And then your fertility journey is going to be easy. You're easier. You're going to have a higher likelihood of IVF or IUI successfully working without you having to shell out more money. And then when you get pregnant, your baby grows well, your placenta, placenta functions well, all the way up through your due date, your guest date. You have less likelihood of pregnancy complications like placental abruption, like fetal growth issues, like oligohydramnios, like 
bad perineal lacerations in the vagina, which everybody's afraid about. Your pelvis is more fluid. It, it, it allows the portal to open the baby to be, to be birthed and the portal closes. Your body works better when you exercise. And it's obvious that in pregnancy, you want to treat your body like a temple. The issue is that many healthcare professionals out there, fitness coaches, you name it, have no specific training around pregnancy and postpartum. And men and women are anatomically and physiologically very different. So when we throw you in a cold plunge and we say, it's good for the men, it's probably good for the women. Well, that depends on what phase of life, on the phase of your cycle, etc. Well, pregnancy is obviously one of those places where we need very specific training. Doctors are still, t- still telling women, don't exercise, you're, you know, you're weak and fragile and don't do that. Well, that's, that's poppycock, as they say. You need to exercise, but you also need a healthcare professional that is versed in the specifics of how to train you. So fortunately, Fit for Birth is out there. If you go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved or use code beloved at checkout, you'll save 20% on all of their courses, which by the way, are offered to, to pregnant and postpartum women and their partners, but also to coaches that want to deepen their toolkit and become one of the sensational Fit for Birth um, professionals out there. So that's again, getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on their courses. My uh, other sponsor is Bioptimizers. They came on, good friends with Wade Lightheart. We met through Paul Check, a mutual friend of ours. And the reason I love their products is, of course, everybody knows about mag, break for, mag, mag breakthroughs. So that's what I'm going to talk about today because of all of the things that we do for our health, a lot of us who are hyperproductive, we're, we sh- still struggle with sleep. We maybe toss and turn at night. We wake up not fe- feeling super refreshed. So we chug a bunch of coffee and then we're ready to go. Well, that is slowly draining your adrenals, draining your life energy. And if you aren't getting adequate sleep per night, seven to nine hours, you're not going to perform your best. Your pregnancy is not going to do as well. I mean, everything starts to fall apart, especially if you have little girls that are screaming in your face as they're, you know, energetically upgrading, so to speak. So here's what I recommend. Take two capsules of magnesium breakthrough from Bioptimizers with a big glass of water about 30 minutes before bed. You're going to wake up feeling refreshed, energized, ready to take on the day, ready to podcast, run a practice, raise two little girls, love your wife, cut the grass, walk your dog. I'm speaking from a little bit of experience here, as you can tell. They actually have a very special offer right now. If you go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN, make your purchase of Mag Breakthrough. Bioptimizers has been kind enough to throw in a, an assortment of gut healing compounds that they make, including HCL, masszymes, etc. So you can get a whole bunch of free gifts if you go to magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. I wouldn't have them on the show if I if I didn't believe in what Wade Lighter has put together here has put together here. I've tried all the products myself. We have the masszymes and, and HCL every single time before we have like a burrito or something, a big meal. It helps digest all of that, helps maximize nutrient intake. When and, and everything is of course intimately connected to your gut, as I always talk about your immune system, your endocrine system, your nervous system, etc. Your nutrient balance, your bone density, everything. So go to mag magbreakthrough.com slash holistic Buy yourself some Mag Breakthrough. I guarantee you're going to love it. And you're going to get a whole bunch of goodies for a limited time only. So go check them out. All right. Angela Bryan's my guest today. Let's get into that interview. Thanks for listening, everybody. We have some interesting stories about Feel Free because we've been, my wife and I have been using I'm going to get a little closer for the camera. When our in-laws come or parents come to visit, and they, they just have those things that they do that drive us crazy. We each pop a feel free and 
just in and out without reacting to the, oh, yeah. to the chatter. <laughs> yeah. And That's the thing I often say to people, things that normally bother you, they're not going to bother you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. It's not that I don't hear it or that I'm like in some stupor. I hear it and I'm just like, I see that. I'm going to let that one pass and we're just going to roll through in the mm-hmm. conversation, which everybody can relate to. The other thing we, my wife, if she's watching, she's going to be like, I can't believe you're talking about this. <laughs> but we took it right before bed one time. And then we were just, and then we got intimate and woo, I think I told you this story, Mm -hmm. but it was like, yeah, he sent me a text. (laughs) It's like, Angela, what is going on? I did share that text with the whole company. Like guys (laughs) (laughs) should totally share my name. Let them know that I'm out there, like (laughs) out there pumping this stuff. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm kidding. It's like, I don't need to be known as that guy, (laughs) but, uh, literally pumping this. Yeah. Yes, exactly. No pun intended. So the story is that uh, we took it and then we we were just like feeling free and we we had sex and it just kept going and kept going and like we weren't getting tired. And then we started getting sore because it was like neither of us was was climaxing. Yeah. But then we took a little break, smoked a little cannabis and then she put some like really good song on that she wanted me to hear. And we were like both just feeling like satisfied. But then we went at it for another hour and... (laughs) It was this yeah. like long night and then we still weren't able to come. And then we just went to sleep and we were like, I guess, I think that's enough. I think that's enough for today. <laughs> you know, that's, you know? A, that's fascinating too. Like, I think yeah. that's a special thing in of itself to a reminder for everyone that pleasure isn't about climax. No, so. we were very satisfied. It was just like, I just want to keep going, but we were really sore. more than anything. <laughs> And so then yeah. I, I called up Paul check and Kyle Kingsbury and I sent you a message and I was like, have you guys had this experience at all? And they were like, with other things, but not feel free. And I was like, okay, we got a new oh, wow. secret indication for this stuff. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I tell people that it's, I mean, it's definitely works in that realm. And also if you're like interested in trying new things in the bedroom, yeah. it's great for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And we're, we're totally of that cloth too, where it's, it's not like we got to make it better. It's just like, let's do something a little different. And yeah. that was different. That was yeah. Pretty amazing. So, <laughs> so feel free. Beloved 40, if you want to save 40% and have some nervous system balancing, some calming, some relaxation, perhaps not so relaxing, but perhaps invigorating in other ways. And yeah, um, yeah we got some bottles sitting up here. Angela, you and I got to know each other through Alex Rybczynski and Sarah Gustafson, who have become very dear friends of mine. And you were living with them for a little while. You moved to Austin not too long ago. And you're repping Feel Free. You're doing your thing in your new space. What brought you to Austin? Let's get into your story because you've got a lot of interesting and the reasons I wanted to bring you on are because you've, you've overcome quite a bit in your life as a mother, as a partner, and um, as a woman. So, yeah, thank so you tell me. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Sarah and Alex are probably a big reason why I came to Austin. But Austin in general has... Um, as you know, in being here and all the, the fun people that are gravitating toward here, there's just a lot of really good energy and, um, people that are of the same mindset that I am and on different healing journeys. And, um, really a lot of the people that I think are going to heal the world are, are coming here. Yeah. It's like there are at least people that are cut from that cloth and they're all trying to figure out how to make it work here. The one thing I just shared on my weekly newsletter with my subscribers is that, when a person shows up in authenticity, it gives you permission to also just be you. Mm. But we don't 
get that very often, you know, like we moved from LA and in LA it's um, not a bad place. We love living in LA, but it was also like, man, I'm not exactly sure who you want me to be. Mm. And if you want to hang out with me, I suppose I have to be that thing that you expect of me. And I don't ever really feel that here, you know? That's awesome. So that allows you to do the work that you've done. So yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I, I love it. Not to sound like in a negative way, but I think just in the world that we live in now, yeah. everything that's gone on, there's a sense of comfort for me being here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not only because I can like go to the grocery store without being hassled about uh, papers or yeah. my face or whatever, but um, also because like the end times that I sometimes imagine are near. Yeah, I think like, oh, thank God that there's just down the road, there's there's other people that can that we can all come together yeah. and have that safety. So yeah, yeah. that's a big And point. you mean that very literally. Like My, if, yes. if the whole world falls apart, at least you have community. Yes. And without community, it's the Ubuntu, you know? Yeah. I am because we are. Yes. And that's pretty critical. So not having community, I think, really does suck a lot of the life out of life, yeah. the spirit out of yeah. you and me. Yeah. Yeah. And where before I moved here, I was living in San Francisco. And I mean outside of just my personal life and all the chaos happening there, which we'll get into, but um, that the city in general is just, just booming with anger and negativity Mm. and fear. And um, it was a lot, like it honestly was a lot to be in. Um, Where did you move from? San Francisco. Oh, San Fran. Right, right, right. And I love that city and I loved living there, but when the pandemic hit and all that, it just, um, Yeah it became so intense. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I I think even in the simplest of ways, moving here, I walk down the street and there's a stranger walking the other way and I go, hi. And they go, good morning. And it's like, imagine (laughs) (laughs) the most simplest of things, but yeah, Yeah. you don't really get that. Yeah. I was in New York city recently visiting a friend on the way to a training up in upstate New York and on the subway, there's some of the most interesting, creative, friendly, thoughtful, intelligent people in the city of New York, and you would never know it mm. because you're on the subway amongst, um, amongst all of these other commoners. And I love taking subways. I feel like that's like a really good way to get the lay of the land is to see what the city's about. And like you say hi to somebody and it's almost like you must be the crazy person. And my friend Clark, who I was visiting there, he was like, there's a 50-50 chance that you're totally out of your mind if you're the person who initiates a conversation. So people are like super wary. Yeah. He's like, so I take my, I'll take my son on the train and then everybody wants to talk to me because clearly I'm not insane if I've got a little boy <laughs> with me. And so, um, yeah. So in Kentucky, it's the same. Like your neighbors just say hi. They yeah. slow down for you and your little girl's running around on the yeah. sidewalk to, just in case. And that's important. It's so important. And you're, so you're a single mom. You're living in Austin. Yes. The, uh, your little boy's named Quest. I met him and he's so sweet. Yes. And he just turned three. Just turned three. Um, let's talk a little bit about your birth. Cause I think that your birth is probably the start of quite a few things yeah. in your life. So let's talk about that. I mean, I, I think I have a similar story to a lot of women where it just did not go the way I had mm. hoped. Mm-hmm. Even now, three plus years later, I, I'm always revisiting that and trying to figure out exactly what I think about it. What do I really think about it? What do I really feel about it? Yeah. I had planned to do natural birth at a birthing center with some midwives. And I really, um, I felt good about that. I've, I felt like it was a great spot. It was very close to my home. The midwives were 
very gentle with me and provided a, a special care, which was really needed um, for every woman. But I think also due to kind of some of my trauma and my issues like birth, it was certainly going to be a big deal. So yeah, the labor, I went into labor. I labored for about 36 hours. Um, and I was at, for that entire time, I was at uh, contractions every minute. Oh my um, gosh. Like it was it's a long 36 hours. A lot. Um, I mean, I was by that time starting to see doubles, like looking at my partner and like in the tub and I'm like trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And, and it was like, there was three of him, you know, and, and I hadn't Whoa. eaten cause every minute, how do you swallow a bite? Yeah. Every minute. So <laughs> yeah. he would like, you know, put a bite in my mouth and, and I would try and try to, to chew it up quick so I could get it down. But then like another contraction would come and just, and I just oh. spit it out. So it was, that's like 2000 minutes. It was, I was trying to do the math, but I'm not that smart. So it was like 2,100 minutes, yeah. every minute on the minute having a surge. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, and so you're not eating, you're not yeah. drinking yeah. and you're in torment. 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 Yeah. And, um, yeah. And that word in particular, that word's come up a lot for me over the last few years, but, and I was so stubborn and like, no, I'm going to do this. This is, I'm, I can, you know, and the, the midwives would ask me like, you do you, we can always go to the hospital. You know, we talked about this. That's an option. Um, and I would be like, can I just walk around the park mm -hmm. one more time mm -hmm. and see? Mm -hmm. I was so, so terrified of going to the hospital. And they eventually just told me that women in my situation don't make it. That's what they said. Were they using those words? That's what they said. Hmm. And um, yeah, this is where I was telling mm -hmm. you, I would love to know what you have to say about this because that's where um, in the moment, I think, I think there was value there because it, it kind of gave me the excuse to maybe make the quote needed decision. But there's a huge part of me that's like, that was like fear mongering. That yeah. was like, yeah. that's, is that the truth? Like, could I, I mean, was I really on the verge of, dying because of what was happening? I, I don't know, but. Let's pause there for a second, because the language you're even saying in, rec in recollecting that experience is actually important for anybody out there who does birth work, who's listening. What's lacking, I think, within the conventional maternity care system is that we don't actually ask a person, what was your experience like? Because all that we seem to really care about is what was the blood loss? How big was the baby? Mm -hmm. Did you have a tear? Blah, 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 which are important. But what was your experience like? And you're, you're now retelling it through perception of what they were communicating. Mm. So I just want to point out that they didn't say you could die if you don't go to the hospital, mm. but your interpretation of that was that. And that's mm. actually more important to me than was what was actually said. Because when I tell people we need to change language, mm. it's because when a person under duress after 36 hours of surges, when they hear that, you're already facing mortality. And now you're, you're peppering them with language that seems benign, mm. but it's actually being interpreted and held in, in your emotional body, perhaps, yeah. as this is, we're hitting now in, in sort of an ultimatum, an energetic ultimatum. Yeah. And that absolutely can disrupt the physiology of labor, not to mention making you afraid during an experience that otherwise wouldn't be as fearful. Yeah. So when we use language, we have to consider, yes, these are the words I'm using, but this is not a person who's, 
uh, we're just having a casual chat with at, right. over coffee. This is childbirth. Right. So the fact that you did reflect back to me that that's how that language felt is actually important. Mm. What would you imagine they meant by that? Some women don't make it. I think what they were saying is, hmm, I think your, your labor is a little longer than we expected. We would have expected a lot more change given how frequently you're contracting. Your cervix isn't changing and everybody focuses on the cervix. The cervix doesn't matter. Yeah. It's actually the, the engagement of the baby and how the baby's descending. So they'll say like, but I, what, I was eight centimeters. Yeah. Well, it's like, I was so close yeah. the whole time, but not quite. So what they were thinking is your cervix should be changing yeah. at a, a steady rate at eight centimeters and you're not going to make it is like, we're thinking this is not going to be a vaginal delivery. Mm. That's actually what they were implying. Mm. But it's sort of like, remember in um, Arrested Development, whenever they're like, we lost him. Do you ever see that show? <laughs> yeah, they come Arrested out and they talk to their family and they're like, Sorry to tell you guys, we lost him. And everybody's like, oh, no, Papa Bear. And they're like, oh, no, no, he's not dead. We, we just can't find him. Yeah. And they're like, why do you do that? Yes, language, that's exactly. Language matters. Language matters so yeah. much. That's a huge theme for me in my life lately, too. So yeah. that's interesting. Once they said that, it was kind of like I'm looking at my partner and I'm like hoping that he would have some insight for me. He's um, a, you know, studies health and wellness, and he's also a, a practitioner and Definitely was his first experience with like pregnancy and birth and all that. Yeah, but yeah. I looked to him for like support and what do I do now? And it was a situation where I, it was, I, I had to choose and that's hard for me in, in life. That's hard for me. Um, and in this moment it was hard, but if it, it just really felt like that was my only option with the way it was presented to me, you know, death or yeah. going to the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, at 36 hours, we moved over to the hospital and I think something kind of broke mm. in my spirit mm. um, at that moment. I remember walking into the hospital. I remember feeling just weight and like discomfort and I didn't want to be here and I didn't want anyone to talk to me and I had failed and that's how it, that's how I walked into, walked into there. So, and of course, you know, they lay me down. They're like, you've been laboring all this time at like crazy amount of contractions We you need rest. And if you're going to be able to deliver this baby. And so they put like a weighted blanket on me and they're, they're also trying to get, I've never been, I, I think I don't really go to the hospital yeah. or the doctor or anything. So <laughs> me too. It's like, there's no like doctors at all cost. <laughs> yeah. So they're having to ask me like all these questions. And I'm like, I thought you wanted me to go to sleep, but they're just like <laughs> asking me all these questions. Um, but anyway, it, it ended up like the, the nurse, it was a nurse midwife that delivered the baby. And she was very honest with me around, you know, I know you don't want to be here. I know this isn't what's in the card. So we're going to, we read your birth plan. <laughs> who knows um <laughs> which patient's birth whatever right, like, I don't, I don't for a second, but anyway yeah. she wanted to provide me comfort that she recognized i didn't want to be there in some ways that's even better than her being like okay here's the checklist of how do i take care of this person yeah on the other hand people i can tell you i have all things about yeah birth plans being scoffed at in hospitals went up but we won't go there right yeah. now yeah because Regardless, the bottom line was I didn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, um, let's call it what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then um, they, after the, after the labor, I mean, they gave me Pitocin and they gave me an epidural too, which I, uh, I don't even remember saying okay to that. I don't know why that happened. That was kind of my one thing about 
I I went into the birth knowing like I don't have control of necessarily like uh, to an extent I do, but it's going to unfold the way yeah. it's going to unfold. Yeah. And um, I'm willing to roll with it, but I don't want to get an epidural. And so I'm really bummed that that ended up happening. And I, I don't even, like I said, I don't remember anyone asking me about it. Um, it just was kind of like, this is what needs to happen now so that you don't die. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's like the dead, the what we call it, the dead baby card. Like you don't want your baby to die, right? Yes. Like, you can't say no to that. Of course yeah. I don't want my baby to die. Who wants that? Yeah. But that's also, that's called coercion. That's like, yeah. like wow. You don't want to die, right? Like, I guess I want to do the thing that you're telling me, the alternative to dying. Mm-hmm. And again, another conversation for another time, but this yeah. is a common experience so, that people have. Yeah, I was so never cool. really given an option, I feel. Yeah. And maybe you were, but like, maybe you were laboring for the last 40 <laughs> hours and like, you need a little bit more than... Than just like, the routine okay, script. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. Right. But anyway, I, I mean, he... He came out pretty fast after they did these interventions. And uh, there was a moment, though, that I remember in that hospital bed that's kind of stuck with me. Um, and I mentioned to the, this to you as well. But that there was the, just this very real moment of, of I can't do this. Mm. How did I get here? I want to run away and mm. make all of this disappear. Like how? And I'm, I'm like in my head thinking literally how can i make all of this go away do over like yeah <laughs> and i had to like face that no there's no way other than to have the baby that's the only way to mm. to move through this and uh so that's when i mm. kind of grabbed hold of something inside of me that i didn't i didn't have contact with before and it was like a this is what has to happen and this is what you can do and this is what you will do and you've got this kind of thing, mm. you know. Where did that come from? Um, if you had to guess. I mean, it, as, it, it could be spirit, like it could be whatever. Like from my Yeah, right. <laughs> it sounds like a pancreatic uh, <laughs> suggestion. Uh, no, I mean, like, what, yeah, where, was it something else in your life, you think? Uh, some other tribulation that helped you mm. through that cross that threshold that was required for you to find some, um, I think comfort here, I guess. Yeah. I think there was probably times in my life where I had to face something kind of similar, but I I truly believe that this moment was actually a gift Mm. that, uh, I needed in that moment, but I needed that gift for everything that was going to happen after. Hmm. I wouldn't have been able to be the empowered, courageous, discerning decision maker had I not been given this gift in that moment. Mm. So it ha- it's, it's a moment that I reflect on often because that type of strength, endurance, whatever you want to call it, is is so needed. Yeah. For, for everything in adulting. Yes. Yeah. I wonder how many other women would resonate with that, that that was the first time that they felt like this is all on you. This is you having to operate in your truth through sovereignty, call it what you will, but nobody is going to help you here. Yeah. It is all you. And there's no help to be made. This is just, this is why it's a rite of passage. Exactly. Exactly. Ooh. Yeah. 
Yeah. After Quest was born, I know that you've had some struggles with that relationship with his father. Tell me about that relationship. And I, I don't want to implicate anybody or anything, but yeah. whatever you're willing to share, what happened with that relationship? And perhaps you're going to borrow from that strength that you, yeah. you derived from the birth itself. But tell me about that. Yeah. It's a hard thing to go through. It's so, it's so challenging and so nuanced. And I'm so grateful. I'm just going to start with that for, for him and for the experience that I had as um, horrible at times that it's been, it has strengthened that innate thing I summoned during my birth, you know, and that really is, is empowering me to then go out and do all the work that I I have to do in the world. So it's not like things shifted crazy after I had the baby. There was definitely a lot going on before I even had the baby. And Quest is so special. He's, um, he's really a light in the world. And I think everyone, you know, feels that way about their kid, but I know it because of how he entered this world. And I met his dad kind of in the wake of a big life, transition myself where I was, um, getting a divorce. I was leaving a lot of these, um, ideas I had about myself. And I was probably the first, that was the first time in my adult life where I felt, uh, free and I feel free, um, where I could, yeah, plug. <laughs> yeah, where I, I was doing things for myself and I, I was making decisions for myself and, uh, I was allowing myself to just be me. And that was something I didn't have in my marriage. And um, As opposed to, I'm supposed to be that over there. And as you're getting closer and closer to that, it gets further and further away. And you're like, mm. what is that? It takes a lot of courage to step back and be like, what on earth am I doing? Yeah. And yeah. who am I? Who am I? And where am I going? Yes. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot. And, you know, I mean, I was, I was programmed in a lot of ways. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. And I have a lot of, of honor and uh, reverence for the way I was brought up. Truly. I think a lot of people in my situation kind of have that like, fuck you kind of thing. (laughs) But um, you can curse. You can openly curse (laughs) on this podcast. Yeah. You heard my voice get silent. Yeah. 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 We're curse, curse uh, friendly here on the, on the show. Yeah. So I don't have a fuck you to the church mentality at all. Um, that's a whole nother topic, but <laughs> anyhow, I was definitely, um, yeah, I was fulfilling the path that was programmed for me, um, since I was young. So I, I needed to have the right type of marriage and the right type of work and, and also just my idea of what a good wife is, yeah, yeah. Uh, is something that was really important for me to let go of because a, a good wife isn't somebody who betrays all of their own needs and sets aside, you know, any of their thoughts and holds their opinions in when they might disrupt the man and is always available and perfect in the bedroom, but never speaks about it outside of the bedroom. And like, you know, all these kind of things that I had kind of built my white picket fence future and yeah. that was my concept. And so, um, yeah, letting go of my marriage was a big, uh, it was. A, it was Sorry, a big I'm still win. listening. I'm trying so, to open up these big. notes. It was a big win, and um, and it was in the wake of all of that I that I met 
my son's father. And so I was just like loving my life. I was doing the things that were me and I was attracting all this energy because people gravitate toward you when you are yourself. Oh yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, um, we had a lot of fun and I had never in my life wanted to be a mom. I'm the youngest child in a family of boys and I just didn't think I could take care of another kid very well. And I just, no, like I never really babysit. It's just not my thing. Yeah, yeah. But when I met this man, like I knew that we were going to have a baby. I knew it. It was like, not even Stuff started a, bubbling up in this region. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't like, I mean, there could have been a hundred reasons why that's a bad idea. I wasn't even fully divorced yet. And you know, I owned a business at the time and all this, like I had just a lot going on. And so there's a tons of reasons why maybe I should not have had a child, but it was, he wasn't an accident by any means. It was like, we knew we wanted to have this baby. And that's just like been kind of a rock for me. Like when we were, when I was pregnant, there was a lot of turmoil and and problems already. You know, his dad has done a, a lot of work on himself, but during that time was really tormenting me and his demons were strong and they were present in our daily interactions. And so I I can remember even before Quest was born, you know, I would, we would get into an argument and he would be yelling at me and I would shrink up and feel really small and anxious. And, and uh, I would Mm. go to the shower because that was the one place that he wouldn't disturb me. Like if I go into a room or I say I'm working or something like he's going to come in and keep yelling at me or whatever it is. And, uh, but if I go in the shower, he's not going to come in there. So I would come in, I would hold my belly and I would sing to, to my baby in my belly. And I would just tell him it's going to be okay. No, I got you no matter what. Cause I think I knew that the no matter what was going to be what it ended up being. And so uh, even from before he was born, I had this bond with him around like, you know, you and me, Mom's got you, and mom, mom's got herself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that mom can get you. And that was kind of the vibe. Um, and that's like a totally <clears throat> separate initiation as well, knowing that you are ultimately going to be caring for this child. It's not for, that's not how it always turns out. Yeah. In some cases, it's the opposite where the, yeah. the father ends up having to do that role, but you somehow knew. Like, yeah. there's going to be some special role for me in this person's life, which is you can't turn back. Yeah. Like we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And there was times, you know, even when it would be ridiculous to suggest abortion, but there was, you know, times where he would just say like, why are you having this baby? I get so angry at me, you know? And, uh, this baby is your baby. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and he like loves being a yeah. dad. So it's, it's just, again, it's his demons. It's his, um, it's where he was at in, in that moment in time. So, but it was, yeah, horrible, horribly traumatizing for me after the baby was born. It was, it was more of the same, but it was more intense, of course, because now I had to, I did have to take care of a, another being and, you hear a lot in the Czech system, right? Like we talk about the I before we, yeah, uh, and yeah. that's so important. And when you're a single mom, that's kind of impossible sometimes to oh, be yeah. honest. Oh yeah. It's not impossible, but it is very challenging. Yeah. How are you going to provide um, an income to put food on your table and 
you know, be with your kid, raise your kid, teach your kid, potty train your kid, like all the things. And, and also before any of that, you need to like have a good amount of quiet time and like all of these things yeah. that I, how, I mean, if I were to, at the time, if I were to sit down to meditate, I would just be asleep a hundred percent. Sure. Of the time. Sure. So yeah, it was so, so while his dad was still in the picture, um, it was really, it was really quite scary because, um, this baby was already undergoing a lot of, um, trauma and feeling that, that trauma while he was in the womb. But now that he was there in front of us, his face was there. It was much harder for me to like allow him to bear witness to what was going on. And my lack of safety and sovereignty was also, um, affecting the way that I would show up for him even when his dad wasn't around, you know? So, um, there's a lot that, that went on with that relationship, um, before we separated, which I I can talk about. Um, but ultimately it, it became so unsafe that I had to, I had to, again, face that moment in labor where I knew I had to do it. I had to make the decision. I had to believe in my innate power, Wow! you know? Yeah. And when I was able to really make that call, then I got to Austin (laughs) and it was a crazy journey here. I mean, it really wasn't, um, he, he, uh, so his, his dad had gone to jail and it was causing all this disruption for, of course me, but also his family, his family lived in the Bay area too. And, and, and so that was like the final straw where it was like, okay, this is, this is not getting any better. We can't fix this. I gotta go. Yeah. And how am I going to (laughs) go? That was like, my, my biggest hindrance. So this is actually kind of, and I'll, I'll plug feel free again here, but, um, feel free. <laughs> yeah. Good beloved I, 40. <laughs> I've said, uh, to people that feel free kind of saved my life. Um, and that, that's not really true. I, I believe I saved my life, but it was so such perfect timing that they needed somebody here in Austin and I was able to move. Cause I think that's, for a woman, I can imagine any woman in my shoes. Like that's the hardest part when you have a kid that's that young as well. Oh yeah. How do you, how do you care for your kid and work? Um, like it's the chicken or the egg thing. Like if I was going to come here and try and find a job here, well, I'd need my son to be like, have some kind of childcare. Right. If I'm going to pay for childcare, right. they need to have some work right. to pay for that childcare. So I was so grateful to have the opportunity to, to, work for feel free here in Austin and just have that stability. And, um, I love, I love my work, but, um, more than anything, I love that I have security. Um, well, I mean, that's the big thing, even the word. So I'm a huge Czech fan. I was there at BGYN. I know the family. I, I love them dearly. I've done all the training. You've done a lot of the holistic lifestyle coaching training. And even that word lifestyle is tricky because if a person is just barely meeting that bottom rung on Maslow's hierarchy, meaning financially mm-hmm. as one component of that, all of this other stuff is just like hogwash until I can make sure that me and my kiddo mm-hmm. are safe and secure with a roof over their heads. Bills are being paid and perhaps a dangerous person is not in our life anymore. Yeah. Who happens to be this person, this little 
boy's father. Yeah. So the whole thing for you is like, yeah, biohacking and yeah, exercise and yeah, diet and all this other stuff. But let me also make sure that the fire is not spreading to the other room. Right. And people, I think oftentimes in this space who are thoughtful about optimizing health and whatnot, forget about lifestyle is, is highly dependent on access to resources and, and immediate yeah. safety. Yeah. So you were, you, you had already done the, the coaching programs, right? And, and yeah. you had built a business like that. And now you are having to pare it down to, let me just make sure that our boat's not sinking. Yeah. And we'll get to you know, yeah. micronutrients and right. liver detox and biogeometry and all that later. Yeah. How did you keep it together? Let me, let me pull a little line here because you, you talked a lot about whenever we were kind of taking some notes before this, you talked a lot about finding strength in the honor of being able to be Quest's mom. Mm-hmm. So how did that play out when you were laying down at night? I mean, where, let's go back to the strength question. Hmm. What is it really about being a mother that changes your whole perspective? Mm. I mean, we talk about rites of passages and sacred transformations. What is it about being a mother that allows you maybe to even be a better coach? Mm. Because you've been there. Mm -hmm. You've been down on that bottom rung and just trying to keep the boat from sinking. Yeah. How did that, how does that come out in your coaching and in just how you show up for people? Yeah. It's such a fascinating thing. Um, For me, especially, like I said, not having wanting to ever be a mom before. I think uh, any single woman might be able to relate to this a little bit, but you, uh, you know, you have your mom friends and they like think they're on this other level because they're moms. And you're like, I'm perfectly relevant. (laughs) And I used to kind of feel that a little bit and it bothered me that I didn't want to be a mom because it seemed like you kind of had to in order to really be a a full woman or something. The Um, cool kids club. Right. (laughs) But after, yeah, after coming through that rite of passage, it is, it's a totally different, um, the way you move through every moment of life is completely different. And um, I think the, I'm, I'm so incredibly blessed that, my son is, um, he's very emotionally even and he, he's a great little man. He loves to have fun (laughs) and he also sleeps well. And I'm, I'm so grateful because he's, he's, uh, not as challenging as some other kids can be. I've heard, but yeah, the love, uh, I think so. So something about being a mom, I think that's really translated for me is this exercise that I, I've done this exercise multiple times, multiple different people in different areas have like led this exercise. But essentially you do like some kind of breath work, settle into meditation. And um, when you're fully present with yourself and you're feeling all the sensations in your body, you then picture or imagine, bring somebody to mind whom you love dearly. And then you sit in that. You sit in all the feelings you have for that person and, you know, the ways they make you smile, the ways they enrich your Mm. life um, and really feel, how does that feel in your body? Like I even just now, like thinking about it, I can Mm. get like these like tingly, Mm. just warm, fuzzy feelings, you know, for lack of a better word. And, and you, once you have that, you're fully present with it, you then picture a mirror 
and you look into that mirror at yourself and you send all of that love to yourself. Mm. And that exercise has, I've done it, like I said, multiple times. It's always meant a lot to me. There's a lot of people that I love that I could imagine doing that for. But when I do that and I imagine the love that I have for my son, it is overwhelming. Mm. And it's also the exact, the exact kind of love that I do need to give to myself and to my inner child and to feel, I think that's the big shift for me to feel, um, in becoming a parent, you then reparent yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and that just got very raw for me when it came to the love component, reparenting myself. Yeah. Like all these things coming up and I can get really technical about, I was raised this way and, uh, but like really truly loving myself and, in every part of me in an overwhelming, all encompassing way. I think that's what really bleeds out into the way I interact into the world um, with, with clients or anybody that I would interact with. Um, Self-love is. Uh... <laughs> and it seems like such an easy thing. You know, people always talk about the exercise of, of like, think about your five-year-old self. Would you treat your five-year-old self like that? Would you be that hard on your five-year-old self? Then then why are you treating yourself like that now? You know, and of course everybody's like, no, my five-year-old self was bullied or felt in, felt not enough and whatnot. Well, what would you say to that five-year-old self? You are good enough. You should love yourself. And then meanwhile, we wake up and, and many moments during our day, we're self-doubting, we're self-work, we're questioning what's the right thing to do. Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Yeah. You know, is this person going to like me? And like, yeah. that's the same stuff that I was questioning when I was being bullied in sixth grade is... Is that really where I'm at now? Mm. And I think when you have a, a child of your own, there's obviously a transformation of spirit. It's something I say over and over. People are so tired of hearing that. But the reality is when this little kid just needs you to bear witness to them and to love them, that's an exercise in humility in, in remembering that this little kid doesn't need anything from me except to know that I've got them. And when people don't have kids, I know that they also get that. Like they understand, they, they, they comprehend the words that, that we're saying. But when you, you have a little kid that doesn't need you to be big and strong, doesn't need you to be super smart or make a lot of money, that little kid would rather play with the box than the toy, the expensive toy mm. that you bought for them. Yeah. They just want you to say, to like see them and to be present with them. Yeah. And your greatest currency is no longer time. It's presence. And I've, I've learned, I mean, I have to continue to learn that. And I miss my girls so much having been away from them for a, for a week. But that is the, that is the initiation. Like, are you able to love this person through every little screaming fit or whatever else? And we have really good kids too. So I, I can't necessarily <laughs> feel that, but there are, there are times when it's like, oh, I, she doesn't need to play with the blocks in this way. She just needs me to love the way that she plays with blocks. Yeah. And if we could do that for ourselves, looking in the yeah. mirror, like, do you really need more? Do you need that thing? Do you need to impress that person? Do you need that promotion? Do you need whatever? Or do you just need to like really love the person you see in the mirror? Yeah. But the conditioning is so hard. It's so hard. So deep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like motherhood was an initiation in that way. And without quest, you might be on a very different quest, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Talk to me a little bit about the types of clients that you work with, because I'm already thinking like, God, there are people I should be sending to you <laughs> because you have this, you do bring this, this wise spirit. Um, and I don't mean archetypically the wise woman. I mean, like the mother archetype is, is I think undervalued very much in our society. Mm. And when we can embrace the, the Tosh Kingsbury and I were just talking about that this, this, this morning that she was like, we were talking about how in order for a woman to feel valued, she not only has to be a good mom and to give birth and keep the, our emotional intelligence at a high level in the house. And, mm -hmm. to, you know, my wife does a lot of the cooking and everything else, but then they also have to be the CEO and they have to be super strong and they have to, you know, have visited every country and climbed Everest and everything else. Right. Like, why isn't it enough to just acknowledge and admire women for doing things that feel good to them? Yeah. Like, taking the best care of our daughter whenever she's sick. Like that mm. brings my wife so much, like you can tell it recharges her. Yeah. But for me, it's like, oh, we're going to sit on the TV and cuddle all day. I mean, I, I like doing that too, but it's for her, it actually, it actually, um, she thrives on that. Mm. And that's not to say that like a woman has her place, which is why this is a tricky conversation, but yeah. why not honor and perhaps even like an ancient Sumer, why don't we worship women yeah. for the fact that they keep our whole society together. And actually, if you look over time, as civilizations start to decline, any great civilization, it starts with the devaluation of, of the feminine, mm -hmm. of women. And so back to my original question, when you meet people, you're their personal coach. Mm -hmm. How do you foster that? Like, like apart from the, some base, you know, the exercise of looking in the mirror, like, like what type of people do you work with? Like what type of people are you seeking to work with? Because yeah. you've got so much wisdom and, and giving that to somebody is a lot easier said than done. <laughs> so, so how do you do that? Yeah. I mean, I think, so I think in, in some ways like attracts like, and so, um, women gravitate to, toward me who are probably, um, Hustlers, <laughs> yeah. If I can yeah. use that word, yeah. I am. Um, I'm a hustler, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh, I I love. I love the I like the way you described your wife. That's so beautiful to me. And I'm I'm probably the woman who sits on the couch and has a hard time. Like I'm nurturing my child who's sick, but I'm also like there's so much in my head about all the things I could be doing right now. Yeah. And I got like, yeah, boxes I'm, to be checked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm a, like, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I'm like, you yeah. got anyone who speaks to me has a project. I'm kind of like, Ooh, tell me more. And yeah. like, you should do this and you could do that. Oh, and have you ever heard of, you know, like uh -huh. that's, that's how I am. And I mean, I, uh, I dropped out of high school and started my own business. So that's no like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what? that's my life has been just entrepreneurship and always a manager or in charge of people or in charge of projects. And, um, I've really, I just, I am a little addicted to that. So, and, and a little bit of a workaholic, like that's something I have to be really careful about. So I think. <laughs> can, I, can I share a quick quote with you yeah. that just came to mind? I was reading a David Icke book recently and on like the first page, Einstein has like, I'm paraphrasing here, but education is what's left when you're finished with school. <laughs> so you're way more educated than many of us. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. You can tell my high school teachers that. Um, that Latin teacher that just couldn't, yeah. just couldn't get along with. <laughs> no, I mean, I was pretty successful in school. I had pretty good grades, but I just knew I wanted to do business and I wanted to work. I had, yeah. I had more to do than sit in a classroom. That's you wanted I to be the owner, not the factory worker. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, so I think, 
that women who are also um, passionate about work are maybe drawn to me. But I think anybody who is, it's it's really about establishing the core values and figuring out what your dream is. And some people's dream is to be working you know, having three different businesses that they're like juggling mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. love and they're all these different things. And other people like they want to be at home and, and they want a homestead or they want a garden or whatever it is that's bringing them. Or they life. just want to be present with a baby yeah. or a child or an adolescent or a teenager yeah. every moment of every day, because that provides them yeah. the juiciness in life. And that's also okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we live in a weird time where, you have a lot of people who are undervaluing the right. the mom, but you also have, I feel, a lot of moms who um, they are present, loving, wholehearted moms, but they also want to do their the other business and yeah. build, you know, and that's also shamed because there's like, um, you know, you should be more present and just be a mom and that's your you know so it's hard i think there's a lot of nuances to being a mother damned if you do damned if you don't exactly yeah exactly so i think for me it's a really good point (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah because there's even a part of me like uh hearing i hear you talk about your wife and i'm kind of like oh like that sounds so much more like spiritual or better like wow what a great mom what a great woman yeah, Yeah, yeah 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 but i have to honor the parts of me that I do love to work and yeah. I'm good at my work and, and it brings me life and, and, and it's beautiful. And yeah. that's a beautiful woman too. So. so something that just came to my mind was that what we're talking about is shame and even self shaming, like, Oh, I wasn't a good mom today or I wasn't a good dad today or whatever. And I, I had to move my operation outside of the house into the garage to build and build like an office there at home. And when I come in, sometimes I'll be like, my, my hard cut off is five, but sometimes it's like five thirty, and I'll come in and I'll be like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I was such a, what a nincompoop, you know, like, oh man, these meetings are so hard. And she's like, stop. You do so well at, at what you're doing. You love having so many tasks. If you're going to be late coming into the cl- into back into the house, that's okay to own it. Mm. But it's one thing to be doing something you don't like doing mm-hmm. and you're not showing up versus I had an amazing day. I'm sorry I'm late. Oh, but God, that extra half hour was so great for me. She's like, that's a very different energy you're bringing into the space. So if that's who you are, you have to own that. Yeah. And, and don't push back. Don't apologize. Don't, we were talking about apologizing. Yeah. We can get into that a little bit too, but it's like apologizing for who you are is also not helpful to you, yeah. to the kids, to me, to whatever else. And in the holistic lifestyle coaching program through the Czech Institute that we've been talking about, that's almost like step one. Who are you and where are you going? And a lot of people can't answer that because they feel like they need to do something differently from what they really want to do. And so they, they want to give you the answer that you, that they think you're looking for. And there is no right answer. This is a you conversation. And sometimes that first question scares people away from my coaching Mm -hmm. because it's so confronting and they're like, ah, can't we just talk about functional medicine? I'm like, yeah, that's polishing. We need to actually make sure that you're okay with who you are and how you're spending your time. Yeah. And if you're not, then everything else just, it's a house of cards. Yeah. Yeah. You can't build a, a budget, organize a schedule, do any of those like things yeah. until you know where you're going. <laughs> Why or... are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. And I think I just wanted to like call out how beautiful 
your partnership sounds. And, um, I think that's some, there is something really important about your relationship, you, who you're building your life with, like that they are on board yeah. with who you are and yeah. your dream and what you do, that there isn't ever a need to apologize. Sure. There's going to be disappointments right. when things don't happen, but to have, to have somebody who has your back in that way, who's, you know, just knows that it's yeah. because important work is happening because yeah. this person is lit up and they're doing their work in the world and yeah, they relate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So right. that's really, right. that's really awesome. So thank you. Thank you. There was one other thing I wanted to get into. Any, anything still bounce around your head that you want to follow up on? There's one more thing I wanted to chat about. Um, I think, you know, the one thing that I was going to touch on about relationships and, um, but just something that's really been alive in me yeah. around my, my experience in relationship is the language piece. Um, and I think, you know, I don't know who is all your listeners and who's going to even hear this, but <laughs> I think... Uh, I don't know who needs to hear this, but... <laughs> <fill in the blank. laughs> no, it's just for, for me and the, the world that I live in, right? The communities that I'm a part of, there's a lot of like what I call woke speak. Mm-hmm. And language is really an important way that we relate to each other. Um, but it's very delicate, I think. And so, so I, what I wanted to call out in my experience with my, my son's father was just that, um, it's easy to forget your, your truth and it's easy to let go of your intuition when certain language is being used. So, I found myself really struggling with, um, like, I want to be the best version of myself. I want to seek to um, elevate my consciousness. I want to uh, have a greater awareness around who I am, why I am, how I am. And I want to use all of that inner knowledge to reflect beauty into the world and to help other people, right? Hmm. So if somebody has the right language and I have an open mind, they could tell me, um, you know, Oh, you're, that's your shadow talking or, or you're just acting that way because as a child you were traumatized and it's reflecting this way or to get even more woo woo, like in a past life, you must've had, this is karmic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, I think it's, uh, easy or it was easy for me to slip into, okay, like, okay, okay, this is information I need to like sit with this and I need to figure out what, you know, what is true here and, and how, how can I better myself with this information while simultaneously being like grossly manipulated Mm. and traumatized. Mm. Um, and I think I want to help other people see as well that there's, there's a, there is an innate wisdom and that intuition that all people have. Women especially have a strong intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's moments where you need to check your ego for sure. And probably a lot of those things might be true. But if there's like a truth that you know, you know, it, I guess I just wanted to speak to that because I think that um, I'm experiencing a lot of people in the networks that I'm in and just, you know, everyone has that language that they can use. Um, and, and everyone should be self-reflecting. Um, and 
know your know your truth and honor your truth um because sometimes that means a lot of hard decisions are going to come you know i think about even just how i got here my i i had drove this like beat up chevy blazer with no ac and i like threw all my stuff into it and i had a toddler and a dog in the car driving all the way here windows down blasting my heat so my car doesn't like you know overheat and i broke down twice on the way like the whole journey just that journey here driving here like literally was insane but like i needed to be grounded in my truth and i think um we have more wisdom within that we don't always trust that we should yeah yeah, and in, in some ways, even some of the things that you were talking about, that it's a past trauma and it's all this other stuff, in some ways that's also sort of outsourcing the work in some way. It's, it's taking you off of the, the stand, so to speak. But if you're on the stand, and you talked a little bit about this in, in some of the notes you had sent me, if you can lean into fear and you can actually push through that fear, it opens you up to way more love. But if you're not able to own that in the moment and really kind of look inward, stand on your two feet and make decisions that seem and feel good to you, objectively and subjectively. Um, If you don't do that, then you just kind of stay in this perpetual state of fear. Yeah. So do you want to comment on that a little bit? Because that was a really important line, I think. Yeah. That by pushing through that fear, you're opening yourself up to more love. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, so that's, I mean, and that that's probably one of my biggest struggles in, in in for anyone who faces any kind of trauma, you know, lowercase t, uppercase t, whatever. You have to move through life with some sense of fear, like you f- you feel like you have to. Yeah. And so I think, I think that discernment um, of what what is fear. Um, that's necessary, that's wisdom versus what is fear that, um, that is really just your own, um, like for me, my own inner dialogue around, you're not enough, you can't do it. Mm. Um, the, the stories that we tell ourselves (laughs) are (laughs) some of the most interesting stories. And, uh, as long as you hold on to that story, you won't be enough. As long as you hold on to the, I'm, I'm not lovable, you won't be receiving love. And so, like for me, I got to the point in my life where I was living in fear and there was good reason for it. However, <laughs> it wasn't, I didn't need to stay there and, and it didn't need to be my reality. Right. I had so much more power over it than I gave myself credit for. And the more I shrunk in and the more I let that fear wrap around me, you know, the more I, I didn't have arms to move or legs to move. So, um, it, it is tough. And I think all of this is like, you know, it's just words 
in this context. Um, but when you're in that, when you're in it, you know, it really feels like there's no way out. It really feels like this is true, but it's not, it's not, it's not true. Lies my psyche tells me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Well, I definitely, I think that you bring a very, very special quality to the conversation around caring for oneself. Because I think that especially in this growing community, and these are a lot of people that I love, we're all trying to find the the magic cure for the thing that ails us. But sometimes just looking in the mirror and sending and receiving love to the one that matters more than anything, even more than your kid or my daughter's, that is hard work. And it's very confronting and it's very, you know, it's, it's hard to love yourself. And I don't know why, how we emerged in that sort of societal, this sort of self, you know, lashing mentality of like, I'm never going to be good enough. But, you know, at Burning Man a couple of years ago, there was this, it's always like at Burning Man, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Um, So bear with me here. (laughs) There was this little exercise where a room of about 40 people, they, they um, sort of had us do this exercise where we have first just walked around the room quietly in dead silence and looked everybody in the eye as long as you could. And then you move on and then you look the next person in the eye and you're just basically a bunch of people eye gazing for three minutes. Mm -hmm. Then they stop and they said, okay, we're going to do it again. And at the end, you're just going to pair up with a random person, right? So we did it again. And now you and I are standing with each other and we're holding hands and we're just going to eye gaze for three minutes, not me and you now, Mm -hmm. but because, you know, we've got an audience here. (laughs) So for three minutes, we're going to eye gaze and then you're going to thank them and then we're going to move on. And then the third time we're going to do the same exercise, a random person, you're going to eye gaze and they're going to tell that person, I love myself. Mm. Eye gazing is hard enough. Mm -hmm. Now I'm telling you, I love myself. I don't know who you are. I don't know what your story, but I want you to know that I love myself. And I think that people were really um, confronted by that. Yeah. And I, it, it surprised me to realize how hard it was for myself. Mm. Because we're always like, oh, this dress, uh, $3 to Target, w- you know, whatever. Like, I got it at the thrift store. Like, we don't even want to be proud of the things that we should be proud of. Yeah. I mean, look at where we're, all, where we're living. Like, we're having this conversation on a podcast that's completely unnecessary in the greater world of things that we have the, we have the, um, the resources and the freedom and space to just be us. And even when we have those resources, we still struggle to be us. So Maslow's hierarchy sometimes gets flipped on its head, right? Where we think we get stuck in this state of like, I'm just not worthy. I'm just not good enough. And then everything else that comes after that is just, it's not going to get you anywhere. Mm -hmm. So just looking into a stranger's eyes and telling them, I love myself. That for me was one of the most heart opening exercises. And, um, and the fact that it was hard for so many people shows us where the work is. Yeah. To have someone witness. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause it, cause that's even not even just saying it in the mirror. Like I could go do that, but if I say it to somebody else, they're going to know right away whether or not I believe it. Yeah. So you muster that up. You close your eyes. You foster that, that love. And then you open your eyes and you're smiling and you're like, I love myself. But it, it's hard to make that authentic because yeah. I think so often we're just led to believe that we're not enough or we're not whatever. So this shows up in birth. This shows up in lifestyle medicine and, and yeah. coaching. It shows up at end of life, especially. Mm. And um, I think that you bring a really unique 
set of experiences and insights Mm -hmm. into this whole check world or Mm -hmm. lifestyle coaching world or just this humanity thing that we're all trying to figure out. So thank you for doing what you do. Where can people find you? Um, so yeah, my Instagram is just my personal account is Ange Bryant. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also go to my website, which is regeneratingharmony.com. So that's the name of my company is Regenerating I love that. Harmony. Yeah. It's kind of like a spinoff of like regenerative agriculture because yeah. I'm super into yeah. um, that whole world and food yeah. and everything. Um, but yeah, Harmony is, is the, that's been my goal. That's been my dream, you know, is creating more harmony. Yeah. 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 Regeneratingharmony.com. And on there, there's a little bit more information about me and my coaching modalities and what I offer. Uh, but you can send me an email and I'd be super excited to get in touch with anybody and, um, whether or not we work together, just be happy. It's just great to to meet, meet good people. Happy to connect. We all need better connection. Yeah. Yeah. Or more connection, I should say. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nathan. I appreciate it. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Lovely, lovely, lovely to know people like Angela. Angela, thank you for sharing your story, for being a little bit vulnerable with me. I will include all of Angela's uh, Instagram and how you can reach her. If you haven't tried, feel free. I'm sure she would love it if you tried it out. Use code BELOVED40 at botanictonics.com. You can try feel free for 40% off. Support our sponsors, guys. Fit for Birth, they make uh, personalized courses for coaches in order for them to be better at coaching pregnant and postpartum women. Remember, exercise basically fixes everything in pregnancy. That coupled with adequate sleep, adequate diet, some meditative practices, getting your mindset around pregnancy and around archetypal transitions. All of those things are the package. Exercise has a profound effect on pregnancy. Find yourself a, a fit for birth certified exercise and nutritionist, uh, exercise and nutrition professional by going to getfitforbirth.com. If you're a coach, you can sign up for courses there. I'm um, sorry, it's getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. If you're a coach, you can deepen your toolkit. If you're a pregnant or postpartum woman, you can get some personalized coaching there from one of their incredible professionals. I've met many of them. They are outstanding. And then um, by optimizers, magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. You can try out their magnesium breakthrough, which is all the rage because it contains seven distinct types of magnesium. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're not performing your best. So seven to nine hours of sleep, if you're tossing and turning at night, or if you find that you're just not feeling all that rested in the morning, try their product. Let me know how it works out. You will save money by going to uh, magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. I believe the discount is 10%. They're also throwing in some goodies. They're throwing in their gut repair plan as well. A lot of digestive enzymes, HCL, etc. So again, that's magbreakthrough.com slash holistic OBGYN. Support our sponsors, guys, because they are keeping this show afloat. And I'm so grateful that they came on as a sponsor. So show them a little bit of love. My name is Nathan Riley. I can be found at BelovedHolistics.com. I operate through a private association. So if you, if you need any conversation with me that can be construed as medical advice, I ask that you first go to the website, join the PCA. It, includes a, it requires a $43 annual donation. I'm going to be rolling out a Discord community. Currently, it's in Telegram, but I'm going to be transitioning that to Discord. And uh, you'll get to be a part of that. And it's only $43 per year. helps me uh, support my back end. And I also am I'm taking one-on-one clients still. I'm tempted to not do that anymore. But if anybody out there really needs a holistic OBGYN, I can take you there. Uh, I also am still accepting uh, collaborators to my collaborator program. You can find out all of that at BelovedHolistics.com. 
Lastly, if you like the show, I always forget to say this, please take five seconds to go and leave a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really helps people find the show and all the people out there that are trying to see this show fly are going to benefit greatly if the ratings continue to roll in. So I've got a 4.8 star rating. I want to keep that going. If you have any criticisms, comments, complaints, just want to send some kudos, send me a message through the website. That's all for today, guys. Thank you for tuning into my conversation with Angela Bryant. I'll see you next time. Jacqueline Wolf, PhD, on the sordid history of C-section in America. You don't want to miss that one. That's episode 80. That's next on the Holistic by Dwayne podcast. I will talk to you soon. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien.